and say praise the Lord. God bless you. Remain standing, our musicians and singers. May be seated. It is my privilege here this morning to introduce our speaker. Brother Jason Avant is uh, my son in the Lord. I claim him with all my heart. He was saved. He was saved in this church. His mother saved. His sister. His family. They all came in the church years ago. And Jason just hung around me a lot. He just wanted to be with me. This uh, man is talented in music like you would not believe. Even as a boy, I don't know of any lessons he ever took. He just learned them on his own, knew all kind of instruments. Uh, he has been assistants in churches where he really was fabulous with all the music program in their churches. And I also had the privilege to marry him and his wife, Kale, uh, in Bossier City, Louisiana, along with Brother Jerry Jean, the pastor there, where she was from. Along with him, we married this great couple. And it is really a privilege to have him back home preaching here in this church. I mean that with all my heart. Jason, we love you. We love you. Praise the Lord. He is the promotion director of the men's ministry at our headquarters in St. Louis, Missouri. And we're very proud of him for that. He's out and traveling just about every week, preaching here and there, going all about over the country, wherever they are calling for him to go. Has a great ministry. And I just want you to know, Jason, we're so proud that you're here. We're glad you're with us. Come, take your liberty, and preach to us the good word of God. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Shall we give that hand clap to the Lord together, everybody? In the house of the Lord, lift your voice and give him thanks. Give him praise and adoration. Why don't the redeemed of the Lord say so right now? Hallelujah. Bishop Myers, I'll give you your paycheck for that kind remark later. If that'll make you want to cry. That's probably one of the most humbling introductions I've ever had in my life. And this is an honor to be here today. I do give honor to Bishop and Dr. Myers. What wonderful people of God they are. And for all of you elders that have hearing aids, it's probably been my fault from playing drums so loud all those years. I apologize. A lot of great memories, though, here in Pastor Myers and Sister Myers. We give them honor. Aren't you glad for them today? And this whole wonderful team, the Johnson family, we love you all very much. Hebrews chapter 10, beginning with verse number 1. I, I hasten very quickly to the word of the Lord, but I do want to say um, I had a wonderful time having lunch and conversation with Bishop. That's one of the things I look forward to every time I come back home is the opportunity to have time with the bishop. There ain't nothing like spending time with Bishop Myers. I love you and I appreciate you so very much. And to my mom and dad, so glad to see y'all. So there is a reason I'm crazy. Just look over there. And to my grandmother, who is the reason we're all cuckoo. And so here we are. I'm just kidding. My great grandmother, I love her so very much. And my grandfather, the Masons. Wow. You want me to preach? 
I figured so. Hebrews chapter 10, verse number one. For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered? Because that the worshipers once purged should have had no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is remembrance again made of sins every year. Everyone say every year. Watch this. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore he cometh into the world, he saith, sacrifice and offering, hear this, thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, lo, I come. In the volume of the book it is written of me to do thy will, O God. Somebody shout, O God. Above when he said, sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin thou wouldest not, neither hast pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Verse 9, then said he, lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He hath taken away the first, that he may establish the second. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ, once for all. Let that set in for just a moment. What the blood of bulls and goats, plural, could not do. The blood of one man paid it all. So I want to preach for your ears this morning on the settlement of a single sacrifice. The settlement, Jesus settled it all with one sacrifice. Would you throw your hands high towards heaven and lift your voices higher than your hands and would you pray that the Lord will be with us and help us for the next few moments we have together. God, we love you so much and we are thankful and honored to be in your presence. Help us today, Lord Jesus. Give us the strength of your kingdom today, God. Be with us. Let your word do the work and I pray that signs would follow in Jesus' name, thank you for the blood. And everyone clap your hands together and give a shout of praise unto the Lord today. Come on, lift your voice and give God praise. And you may be seated in Jesus' name. I believe my boy is over in the Sunday school, isn't he, baby? He's probably heard this and didn't want to hear it again. So he's, but I do want to say it was a great honor to, to preach this morning's service. And we had a wonderful touch of the Lord, but I feel like there's a different unction in the house right now. I feel like God's about to do something great. Are you ready for it? The Old Testament, there was this thing called the Day of Atonement. Everybody say Day of Atonement. 
It happened once a year, and it was when the high priest went into the Holy of Holies with the blood of a goat. Leviticus 16 describes this in exact detail. It must be the high priest. I say high priest. High priest and him alone. And it must happen on this particular day of atonement and no other day. The covering by the means of blood was called the atonement, the sacrifice of blood turned away the wrath of God because God's justice always demands a verdict. In fact, we know that when sin is finished, it brings forth death. And during the days of the year when God looked down from heaven, on the day of atonement, he saw the blood of the sacrifice that covered the sin of the people of Israel. And while that was necessary for those days, as time would pass, we would realize that the sacrificial system had one major problem. It only provided temporary forgiveness because it was, bla- it was based on the blood of animals. And according to our text, we read that it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. That is why every year, year after year, the high priest would go in and do it all over again. If he died, another priest would come and take his place and do the same thing on the year of which the day of atonement fell. So the Old Testament, as we read it in today's terminology, really didn't have a permanent plan for the forgiveness of sin. But we know that God manifests himself in flesh. Not robed in flesh, was flesh. If he was robed in flesh, he would be symbolizing that Jesus Christ himself was not good enough, that he had to have another covering. The truth is that he was made flesh and it was all in him. And so this brings to us the story that we all know so very well. That Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. He went to a cross, a hill called Calvary, and his blood was shed. And the blood of Jesus, as we know very well today, was enough blood to cover the sins of every man and every woman who would ever repent until the end of time. Period. Everybody shout, it was it. That was enough. It was the settlement of a single sacrifice. The Old Testament is the blood of bulls and goats, which is temporary, but the New Testament is blood of Jesus Christ, which cleanses us all from sins for eternity. And 2 Corinthians says it like this, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He Jesus, all by himself, alone, took on our sin, and he died because we sinned. And now through his blood, we can escape from sin. Out of Jesus' body came a stream 
of blood. G.T. Haywood wrote it. I see a crimson stream of blood and it flows from Calvary. I just want to pause and tell you these songs of the blood are not because we're so infatuated with lyrics. It's because they have become our lifestyle. What can wash away my sins? Somebody tell me nothing but the blood of Jesus. Might I ask you what can make me whole again? The answer is nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. There's no other fount I know. Nothing but the blood. None of us deserve what God has done for us, but I know you're thankful for the blood, for it reaches to the highest mountain and it flows to the lowest valley. It's the blood that gives me strength from day to day. Somebody ought to shout, it will never lose its power. I wonder on this Sunday morning, it's 11-11, if we could just pause right now, throw our hands high to heaven, and thank Jesus for the blood of his body that cleanses us from all sin. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. You may be seated. I know all too well about the power of the blood. I'm thankful for the blood. I had my sins washed away by the blood. Bishop told you I was raised in this church. Now, when I was young and ignorant, some things have changed. I was sitting in the pew of the old church in Palm Bay Road, 2838 Palm Bay Road, when old Sister Helen Cole came to town. Anybody remember Sister Cole? She was a force to be reckoned with. She, I remember teaching on a Sunday about the power of Jesus' name, baptism, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. I remember it so well that I told my mother, that I want to be baptized. And I heard about it taught all across Sunday school from Sister Henry to Sister Sayas and Sister Bennett and all these people. And my mother bashed me in the head. You got to get it. You're going to die and go to hell. You got to get the Holy Ghost. You got to get baptized. Maybe not, but it makes a good sermon point. Hallelujah. Hey, this is my sermon. I'm sticking to it, all right? But I remember, I got a picture of it. I got baptized the same day John DeBolt got baptized. And I remember both of us boys coming out of that water and the power of the blood. It was this church, this congregation, these leaders that instilled into this young boy's heart, along with my mother and my wonderful grandparents and my aunt and uncles and all them, y'all, that you got to repent of your sins and you got to be baptized in Jesus' name. And you've got to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. 
And I just want to tell you, I've had a lot of mistakes and mishaps in my life. But I've also had a lot of mercy and goodness that's followed me. And I believe it's only because of the blood that we're still here right now. I know we've had some good days. I know we've had some hills to climb. I know we've had some weary days and sleepless nights. But when we look around, I think we can all agree, God has been good to me. And I wouldn't take nothing for my journey now because my mind's made up. It's his blood that saved me. All I'm going to do is worship him and give him praise and thank God for the blood. Hallelujah. I, uh, I remember my beautiful wife. I forgot to give her honor just a minute ago, so please don't let me sleep on the couch when we get home. My beautiful wife and I suffered a tragic loss about 19 months ago after we gave birth to a stillborn baby girl. And I had preached on that Sunday. The Lord gave me a revelation. I'll share that with you in a few moments. But after we had dropped my sister off at the airport, my mother stayed in town for a few more days and... We went back to Jackson from Memphis where the airport was, and we sat down at Chili's. Does anybody like Chili's? What about them chips and salsa? I preached like a hunger. I'm about five minutes away. Hallelujah. <laughs> I mean, do I look like a guy that eats salad every day? Didn't think so. <laughs> Let's just be honest. <laughs> We're sitting there at the table, and my little boy, who's seven years old, just imagine with us, the window's right here. It's a table for four. I'm sitting here. My mother's across from me. London's here, and Kale's right here beside me. And I promise you, before we prayed for our chips and salsa, before we ordered our meal, my little boy paused, seven-year-old boy, paused and said, can we pray for a moment? And I thought, well, he just wants to pray for the food. Let's go for that. That's good. I'm good with that. Because the quicker you pray, the quicker we eat. Hallelujah. But he reached his hands out. He said, I think I just want to plead the blood right now. My little boy London said, I'm going to plead the blood over Bobby, uh, mommy's body. I'm going to plead the blood over our family. And I want to plead the blood that Jesus is going to be with us every day of our lives. And would you know it? Here we are 19 months after the deepest, darkest storm of our life, and we're still here because of the blood of Jesus Christ. That may mean nothing to any of y'all, but I do think there's a book that says, when you were lonely, the blood came to save you. When you were sick, the blood healed you. Oh, and by the way, when you were lost deep in sin and drugs had you riddled and addictions had your life scorned and you've gone through bad situations, the blood came to work for your life. Such were some of you, but you've been washed by the blood. I think it's appropriate to say, Jesus, thank you for the blood. And whatever I'm going through, I plead the blood. I know you're probably waiting on some huge sign from heaven. Maybe God's waiting for you to stand up there flat-footed and square your shoulders and say, devil, you've come too late to tell me that God doesn't do miracles. I plead the blood. You've come too late to tell me that God's not a deliverer. I plead the blood. Whatever you have need of, it's available. I plead the 
Somebody shout hallelujah in the house. You may be seated. I heard a preacher tell a long time ago about some of his travels here in Florida, central Florida. And he said that there were some places he would go throughout the day. And one of these days he drove by this piece of property that had some houses on it. He was inquiring of what it was. See that? Wouldn't you like to live in that? It's a horse barn. That ought to smell great. Horse quarters. Larger than the average homes. Bet Mr. Ed lives there. Y'all don't know what that is, do you? He, he said he would begin to investigate all these different things and, and uh, effort and resources that go into making championship horses. It's not that some farmer has a colt that's to be born and it runs extremely fast. It's not like he gets some great idea that he would like to put a colt in the horse's division of racing but it would take the development of a champion racehorse. They're not just your typical type of horse. They are thoroughbreds. These thoroughbreds have generation after generation on the inside of them. They have been carefully studied and bred for generations. Hear this. The breeders, the trainers, the veterinarians may search data and statistics for somewhere between 50 and 60 years prior to this particular cult that's born just to check the animal's bloodline. Because if a horse races in the Kentucky Derby, it's not by accident. It's a long journey just to get accepted into the race. In horse racing, the bloodstock agent Forced, uh, forces his attention as he pushes aside every other possible thing to focus on except for the bloodline. He or she will spend months studying a particular line of horses, researching its lineage. And so the bloodstock agent will examine the horse's father and how it fared as a racer, how long his stride was or how fast he could run or what size he was. They understand these breeders, that is, that winners don't just randomly happen. Winning is in the bloodline. The breeding of just one thoroughbred horse can cost around a half a million dollars. Anybody got a bank I can borrow? When this newborn colt has taken its first breath, its legs are a little wobbly, its eyes are glazed over. And if an ordinary person observes the cult coming into the world, they'd probably say, well, these poor owners, they just wasted their money on that little ratchet thing. They say the horse could not win anything. It never is going to stand a chance. It's just an average, ordinary horse. But the owners know something that the outsiders don't have a clue about. Because they know that on the inside of that cult, 
is the legacy of a champion. It might have a dozen world champions on the inside because it's all about the blood. And that's why the owners are not necessarily concerned about how the Colts' initial weakness fares to the eyes. They don't even care what color it is. They don't care how pretty it is or how large it is. They know deep down inside that that colt has the blood of a champion and aren't you thankful that's how the Lord Jesus Christ looks at you and me he doesn't look at our color he doesn't look at if we're rich or poor he doesn't look at how many weaknesses or flaws we may have he recognizes that if you've been washed by his blood there's the DNA of a champion inside of you I've just come to preach the east wind come on somebody you've got the blood of a champion you are royalty in his eyes I don't look like it but I know inside of me there's greatness. Sometimes I don't feel like it, but I know there's greatness inside of me. Thanks be to God who gives us victory through the Lord. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a champion. You're a winner in God's eyes. You come from a long line of champions. Uncle Scott, I see you right there. I love you, sir. I haven't seen you forever. God bless you. Abraham. Everybody say Abraham. Abraham took his son Isaac to the altar of sacrifice, knowing that God would provide. And guess what? God did it because there's great faith in your bloodline. David, that little old shepherd boy, defeated Goliath with a slingshot and stone. You know why he did it? Because there's courage in the bloodline. Samson pushed out an entire coliseum even after making a mistake and putting his head in Delilah's lap and God used him to kill 3,000 Philistines. Hey, guess what? There's restoration in your bloodline. Come on, sir. Daniel spent an entire evening in the den of lions and was not harmed. And when it was all said and done, it became the lions in Daniel's den. He took authority. There's authority in your bloodline. Come on, Nehemiah rebuilt the walls to Jerusalem when the odds were completely stacked against him. Why? Because there is determination in your bloodline. There's sacrifice. Queen Esther put her life on the line, but she overcame it because there's heroism in your bloodline. Job lost everything he had. You know what's so amazing about Job? Remember I told you I'd share with you what the Lord gave to me? That night when we lost our baby girl, I stood there in the shower of all places in the hospital room. Beautiful wives weeping, laying in that hospital bed. And I said, I'm going to go take a shower and try to gain some strength. I'm going to be there for my family. Dr. Myers, I asked the Lord, what am I doing wrong? I mean, bless God, I pay my tithes. I give to the poor. I'm faithful to the house of God. Where are you at now, Jesus? What am I doing wrong? I told Bishop at lunch, I've never heard an audible voice of the Lord. But I said, Bishop, if I've ever felt a strong impression 
of his spirit, I felt the Lord tell me, it's not what you're doing wrong. It's what you're doing right that I trust you. I'm almost finished preaching. But before I close, I want to tell you, Job wasn't doing anything wrong. Job was minding his own business. He was doing exactly what he was supposed to do. When all of a sudden the devil's walking around to and fro, you read it for yourself. It's in the book, Job chapter 1. And he said, have you not considered my servant Job? It's as if God said, all right, bring it to me, devil. I'm going to prove you something right now. This is not a test of Job's faith. Hear this, hear this. This is a proclamation of my faith in Job. I believe God have mercy. And what he did there, when Job stayed the course, his wife said, why don't you curse God and die? I got to think somewhere in the heart of Job, he must have said, why curse him and die when I can bless him and live? There is determination in your bloodline, especially for those of us who have been washed by his blood and sanctified by his spirit. You got to understand this blood that I'm talking about is not just a delivering blood. It's a keeping blood. It's a sustaining blood. It's an empowering blood. It's a blood that says you're going to make it. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. Job's response is what dictated the outcome in his life. And we, who are of a new breed, must realize if God could give him double for the trouble, it's worth the wait. It's gonna be worth it all. It's gonna be worth it all. It's gonna be worth it all. Some beautiful, happy day. I know I'm under 40. Y'all are shocked. I know that song. I'm waiting for that. This is an address change notification for our moving hell by the blood to a much better place. There'll be no tears, no sorrow. There'll be no more pain. Thank God for blood. This is an address change notification. What are you talking about, brother? Amen. I'm telling you, it's very simple. It's very short, sweet, and hard to beat. Nothing will ever do you better than the blood. It's a saving blood. It's a healing blood. It's a redeeming blood. It's a God-given delivering blood. And it does not matter what you're going through, regardless of your circumstances, if you'll just be like my seven-year-old boy and say, I see everything around us falling apart, but I just come to plead the blood. There is no telling what God will do if you just believe. And if you all across this house and lift your hands high towards heaven right now and raise your voice, let's pray for a demonstration of the Spirit of God right now.
hear me this Sunday morning I didn't come here just to preach a pretty sermon here's what I feel the Lord right this moment would have for me to say to you there are people in this room that you're battling depression anxiety is ruling your life and you're fearful some of you have prayed for God to get rid of that and yet you're still fighting with it it's not that God doesn't care doesn't want to do it You just have to realize that sometimes while you're living with it, you're not living with it alone. For those that are battling depression, it's usually the reaction from something. I'm depressed because of this, and and I'm not downplaying it. I've been depressed. My wife and I have been through these storms together. My wife has battled and still does battle anxiety. She's an amazing woman. Love her very much. There are moments where we fear things. Anxiety is, I can't, I can't control it. I, I just don't know what to do. Ah, it's that present situation where you feel like, like locked and you can't do nothing. Anybody there right now? What about fear? I don't know what the future holds. I just, I can't do it. Oh, I'd rather recluse than rejoice. Here's the answer for those that are dealing with yesterday's scars, today's concerns, and tomorrow's worries. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You see what I'm saying? And guess what? The blood still works. receive that word from heaven right now if you want to come to this altar I dare you to step out from where you are draw nigh to him because he wants to draw nigh to you hallelujah there's a sweet anointing in this room right now 
Come on, sir. Come on, ma'am. What are you waiting on? Let God do the work in your life. Draw near to him this moment. Come on, that's right. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. All you got to do is call on his name. He's just as close as the mention of his name. Would you lift your hands right now? All across this tabernacle, would you lift your voice? Come on, east wind. The wind is blowing again right now for your life. God's able. I plead, I plead the blood. Come on, why don't you reach out and get a hold of it right now? Let it touch your heart right now. Let it touch your spirit right now. I plead, I plead the blood. Come on, let's go deep right now. Let's reach in for it. Let's plead the blood right now. Let's declare it over our families. Let's declare it over our faith. Let's declare it over our future. Devil, you can't have my family. You can't have my children. You've got to take your hands off my marriage. You've got to take your hands off my life. I belong to the Lord. I plead, I plead. Come on, let's hear pleading right now. He comes up to your cold If you've never been baptized and had your sins washed away, the waters are troubled right now. It's a great opportunity to receive what you need from the Lord. Come on, there's healing in the house. There's deliverance in the house. There's a miracle in the house. Plead the blood. Plead the blood. 